It's time for OWC Radio, Tech Talk with Creatives, Conversations with host Serena Catania. This is Serena Catania with OWC Radio, and I have Snehal Patel on the line, one of my favorite people from Zeiss. You guys have been so good to me over the years. Um, Hi, Serena. I just wanted to bring you on because there's a lot to talk about. So you manage the sales of cinema lenses all throughout North and South America, correct? Uh, yeah, for Zeiss Cinema, um, I handle North and South America, so that's uh, Canada down through Brazil. We do have a distribution company in Canada, and uh, otherwise, you know, we handle directly uh, our dealers and our network uh, for sales in all of the states in the U.S. and countries all over Latin America, including, you know, Mexico, Central and South America. Oh, my goodness. So you're so awfully it's busy. It's quite a territory. <laughs> it's a huge yes. territory. I know you travel all the time. Uh, and now you're doing more and more educational videos. I noticed one the other day that was up that you were doing. It's it's great stuff and we all really need it. Can you tell us a little bit more about those activities and what you're doing there? Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. It's um, What we're doing is we're trying to adopt, basically, because we're facing the issue of, you know, with the coronavirus, um, and then basically all the shutdown of the industry, business worldwide, you know, how do we keep uh, talking to people? Because, you know, the reason that we do this work in this industry, specifically in the specialized industry for cinema, photography, you know, and the creative arts is because we're here to support the artists. And we really are here just to help provide tools that they can use to work on their craft. And if you don't, have that engagement, you know, it's, it's not very easy to kind of make inroads into the community, uh, especially if you have some nice, new, exciting products, maybe that, that, you know, solve a problem or do something creative new that you want to introduce. It, it becomes tough when you can't get it in front of people, put it in their hands um, and talk to them and then have those, you know, conversations. And our conversations range, like we don't necessarily just only, you know, do stuff at trade shows. We get, involve ourselves a lot with film festivals and local events and kinds of like educational opportunities where even at a trade show, we'll do a, a talk, you know, about a topic. And we're always trying to help people learn new things or give access uh, to information and ideas and, and equipment to a lot of people. So when you don't get to do that, what do you do? Well, uh, we're, we're sitting at home, so we're, we're thinking about Exactly. Stuff like this. Let's keep communicating. Let's put education out there. Now people have time so they can actually sit down and look at stuff. Like if you're so busy as a cinematographer, you're really working all the time. You work way more than uh, than people realize. You're always on the road. You're always picking up gigs. Whatever level you are, you're always hustling at some point. So now is a chance where you get to sit down and go, okay, well, all that new stuff that came out, like, let's learn about it. Uh, what is it all about? What are the things that people are making with it? Uh, what are the qualities of it that I might like? And here's a chance to do research. And this is also part of the craft anyways, right? Anytime you do a new project, you want to create a new look or, or you know, really help forward the story along. You're going to do this research, but usually have a very truncated amount of time to do that. So now you have some time to do research. So why not put some information out there for the community to, you know, access and learn about um, while they have time at home? <laughs> yeah. So tell us about some of the things you've been teaching in these new courses. 
this is a cool one because this is a presentation that we've only done before um, at Camera Image Film Festival, and it's regarding flare characteristics, how optically it's actually created. And that's a really exciting topic because people want to know, they want to demystify, like, well, how does this stuff work? How do I know when something's going to work for me or against me? You know, how do I recognize good traits and bad traits that are not going to hurt me later on when we're in post and looking at stuff going, oh man, it, that just doesn't look the way I wanted it to. You know, now's the time to learn about how this is done. So we're really going to dive deep, but in an interesting way, in a very accessible way into how flares are created, lens flares are created. So. It should be a really, um, really great topic, and and that's going to be just a, a vlog type of uh, format, so it's you know easily accessible, Facebook, YouTube. Um, but the cool thing is, is that you know it gives people a chance that didn't get to see you at all these trade shows that are getting canceled, uh, didn't get to see you, you know, at the South by Southwest, because I mean we really had robust activities at South by Southwest, at NAB of course, um, and you know. Hopefully, other shows in the future will be able to access and get in front of people again. But at least you have a chance to take a look. Give us a hint. Give us a hint. Give us one little tip right now about how to get a better flare. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, to, to get uh, to know how flare is caused. And what it is is that in your optical design of your lens, you have many different layers of glass inside in a typical cinema lens. And it doesn't matter what manufacturer, who's making it. There's a lot of work and engineering and science that goes into it. There's a lot of people that have spent many years studying how each piece of glass does what, you know, what the formula of the glass is uh, and things like that. But then there, a very important aspect of, of putting a lens together is the coatings that you use because you want to stop or control reflections and different coatings that transmit or block, you know, light from reflecting is causing uh, in the end, this is one of the things that can cause flares. Other things that can cause flares are uh, mechanical things like shiny surfaces in the interior of the lens or things like that. Uh, another uh, aspect of the flare is the low-pass filter or whatever optical filter you have in front of your digital sensor uh, before it hits the, the sensor itself. There's sometimes a piece of glass most of the time uh, in digital cinema cameras. That also adds a piece of flare too. So in this presentation, we're going to break down what are the different pieces of these flares and how this is caused? So then you know how to recognize it. So when you know how to recognize it, then you can say, okay, now I can make a better informed choice about what I want. You know, if I wanted this look, you know, what is it that I have to get to, to get that look? And we'll talk about our new radiance lenses, which were designed to actually give flare characteristics and why and how they do it. So it's demystified. So you get a deeper understanding. It's so funny. I grew up being taught that flare was bad no flare, right? You've got to do everything you can to avoid it. Watch the angle of the light, keep your lenses clean. Yes, all four sides of the matte box, uh, everything to avoid flare. And then in the last few years, it's become, it's become kind of the thing. A lot of people like it. But I have to say, I, I have a, a slight aversion to the the flares that you get through LUTs or through, you know, just through special effects that you can buy these plugins to create flare. There's mm -hmm. a, I can tell the difference. There's a difference, right? Uh, yes. There's a big difference between the me mechanical, what's created at, in analog in, in the optical uh, elements itself. And then what you create on a computer. 
the computer will never be able to map exactly the way that your lens is going to behave in the real world because it's always a little different. So yes, this is a very good point as to you know what is actually going on. Yeah, you can see those little round circles with the rainbow colors in them. They all look alike. So you know, aha, they added that in. And there's always something about the angle that's just slightly off. I don't know. I, I personally believe flares are can be a, a real benefit to pushing a story along if they're used properly. You put too many of them in for no reason, and then you're thinking more about what the cinematographer has tried to create in terms of a look, and you've lost the story. I mean, one of the things I love about the Zeiss lenses is that they're alive. They are so much a part of what we as DPs are trying to create on for our, the people watching. And uh, yeah, so that's my that's my little <laughs> my, my little rant about I will, so, fake fake no, that's flares. A, <laughs> that's the great thing about you know this craft is that everyone's going to have a different take on it. Right. So the idea is, as a manufacturer, having choices is important because if I was to have five different DPs all going, you know, into prep tomorrow to work on five different shows, they're going to have five different ideas about Absolutely. what they want to create. Right. Like you're going right. to have someone that's going to have a certain type of look and someone else is going to have a noir look. Maybe maybe someone's going for, you know, high contrast beauty. Someone else is doing, you know, a low contrast, you know, gritty uh, nightmare, you know, horror show. Who knows? So the having the tools to be able to choose from is always really important. So what we have with the Supreme Primes and the Supreme Prime Radiance, for example, is two different lines of lenses. The Supreme Primes being the clean look, you know, uh, the good uh, anti-reflective coating that reflects back all of the um, light, you know, transmits all of the different wavelengths of light as, as well as possible so that you have a very neutral look. It's not warm, it's not cool, it's just right there in the middle. What you see is what you get. It has a nice cinematic uh, feel to it. And then you also have on the other end of it, the radiance, which is the same lens, just with the modifications of the coatings. And the coatings that are modified are what are causing those flare characteristics to happen. <clears throat> so you can actually mess with formulations of your coatings to not transmit well certain spectrums of light. So what we've done is we've chosen chunks of the blue spectrum of light and left that so that it actually reflects back uh, quite a bit more than all of the rest of the light which is transmitted. So that means if the blue light is reflected, just imagine inside a lens, there's many, many elements inside, right? So I just grab a lens here. I have a photo lens here I'm gonna grab. And you know, this, lens, if you look even in the front of it, you can see that there's all kinds of elements inside of it, right? right. It's not just one, one piece of glass. Right. So all those elements inside, let's say if they had a type of anti-reflective coating, which is really good at transmitting all the light. And just like this, you know, this has T-star coating. You can almost see right into the lens, right? It doesn't reflect back a light. I'm pointing at a light source and it doesn't glow white. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. it's it's pushing all the light through all the way through the barrel. Now, if I had an anti-reflective coating that didn't push uh, blue light, you know, all the way through, but reflected it back, it would bounce around inside. And when it bounces around, it kind of illuminates and ghosts. And that is what is happening in the radiance lenses: is that they're ghosting because of 
this formulation of the coating. It's a very interesting trick. Um, it takes some doing to make it work right and tweaking. You have to figure out which of the multiple glass elements inside your lens you want to do that to, treatment to, because it will illuminate other pieces of glass, right? Because it'll keep bouncing around. So you got to figure out like what is the combination that works. So it took some doing and some R&D to create a lens set that looks similar in, you know, if you have from 21 through the 100, all seven lenses in the series have similar looking flare characteristics. From it's your, really interesting how. From your lips to God's ears, one day I will have all those lenses. <laughs> there you go. Well, you could rent them now, so that's good. Yeah, borrow lenses. This has made a lot of money off of me over the years. Absolutely. The kind of things you're talking about bring to mind something that I want to ask you about. And that is a lot of people just swear by these cheaper lenses and they love them and they love the looks, but I can tell the difference. I can really tell the difference. Um, and I know this is like a five hour subject, but can you give us just a headline of, of what Zeiss does in R&D and what they do to these lenses to make them so much better than a lot of the cheaper ones that you find on the market? I mean, you're spending money, but you're spending it for a reason. You know, my, my Battis 85, I don't go anywhere without it. It goes with me everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And people comment about the almost 3D quality of my images. And I'd like to think it's because I'm the world's greatest photographer. It's not. <laughs> you know, I no, have a is. friend. It's <laughs> called Battis. <laughs> There's no other way to look at it. What are you talking about? No, I, so, it's... It, Talk to us about some of the manufacturing that goes into these lenses. Do you mind? Absolutely. Well, first of all, it's absolutely a combination of the tools themselves and the fact that you're well-versed at your craft. Okay, so there's that. That's why your images have 3D pop, because you're good at what you do. There, there's no doubt to that, right? So on top of that, you have a tool that gives you certain you know, optical qualities. And that goes up through the line. Now, the interesting thing is you mentioned less expensive lenses, but Zeiss does have less expensive lenses. Even in the cinema line, we have, for example, our more affordable CP3s. Now, yes, what are the limitations true. of CP3s? Um, you know, first of all, they're T21, so a little bit slower. And there's a reason why. If you try to mess with opening up the iris anymore, they're not going to hold together uh, as much as the four times more expensive, more robust Supreme Prime line, which is using different optical designs, different types of glass, and you know a lot more of it. Quite frankly, that's why they're bigger and heavier lenses. So that that is a bigger. You know, if you look at a magnifying glass, if you had a small, tiny one, even if it was well made compared to a big one, obviously the big one's going to have a lot of power, a lot of capabilities, right? So uh, that's the big difference there. The other thing with the CP3 lenses is that you're going to have, um, you know, certain types of aberrations or look to it that's a little bit different than what you would have with a more expensive lens. More expensive lens, you're generally in any line of product or any manufacturer, the more the more expensive cinema lenses have performance from center to edge, which is uncompromised, yes. especially in the primes. Yes. So that's the trick, right? Like. In a CP3 lens, uh, I would say that you wouldn't have the exact same performance center to edge as the Supreme Prime. But man, that center punch is amazing. Like if you shoot Alexa Mini or any Super 35, like a Helium camera from RED or Sony's you know, previous uh, FS7 uh, or sensors like that, that size, 
let me tell you, you're going to love that image quality. You're going to say, wow, I couldn't believe that this, this is a lens. In full frame, you're going to love it as well. You're going to really admire the qualities that actually this lens, an affordable lens, will give you because it looks really, really good, especially when you close down a little bit to a T28 or something like that. The performance just really, really pops. Um, and people are realizing in the larger formats when I'm when you tend to use longer focal lengths to do the same thing they used to do with like say 35 now using a, you know a 50 instead to kind of get the same angle of view you're going to have shallower depth of field so you don't close down as much uh, or open up as much as you used to you know you, you might have been used to on a super speed opening up uh, all the way but now if you try to do that with a longer focal length of lens uh, on, a, on a large format it's it's going to be tough the way you can really, really see the difference. And a lot of us work and we're editing at home or we're post-processing at home if it stills and everything looks great. But the real test is when you shoot something and you're standing in a theater and you're watching it on a yes. huge screen. I shot one of the ending shots to a documentary I'm working on right now, the Chianti Story Doc with the the CZ T 2.8, the 70 to 200. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you, I, we did a test so I could just see it because it's really important that it looks good, right? I'm standing in the back of the theater. That thing is on a huge screen and I was several yards away from him and it's a close up shot. I could see his eyelashes. I mean, I could see the detail was so clear with that lens that I could see his eyelashes and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. So that's when you really see it. You really see it when you shoot something on a good camera and you're watching it in the theater. And that's when, if you did side by side, you could really tell the difference. I'm sorry. I'm sounding like an ad for Zeiss, but it's true, right? It's, <laughs> no, it's, no, just, no. I it's mean, true. It's more of an ad for, you know, high quality cinema glass. Yes, absolutely. With a CZ2 lens, Supreme Prime, Supreme Prime Radiance, this is meant to be used for situations where you could project it in a theater, uh, or see it as you know in a, a big TV at home even that's high quality. Uh, it does make a it does make a difference when you have a good piece of glass. So you know to to conclude the benefit of a Supreme Prime versus a less expensive lens is that the fact that you can open up more and still retain a lot of your quality. Of course, mm -hmm. your center punch, your center of your frame is always going to be cleaner and, you know, better exposure than your edge, especially if you open up a lens, you know, the, the difference between center and edge really becomes apparent. But when you close down even just a little bit, you notice the qualities that the Supreme Prime is giving you. It gives you that 3D pop. It separates characters in a very nice way. Uh, your talent doesn't look like it's a 2D, you know, layer on top of the background. It really looks like you're part of the background, but it's just flowing into it. Uh, with a really long um, gradient of um, depth of field, you know, the in focus to out of focus, the gradient is very soft, for example, because of the way that the iris is built and because of the optical design, you know, mixed with it. Um, yeah, there's, there's a reason why people want to use high quality glass. I think the other thing with the, the less expensive lenses, you're talking about people that are talking about affordable stuff. The affordable stuff is great. Um, especially eBay finds and things like that. It's a lot of fun to experiment, but always like you got to be careful because even in getting an old set of cinema glass, 
you're not going to have consistency a lot of times. You know, a lot of times you're uh, mechanically that they're not built as well. They're not meant to be used with, let's say, motors, which we use all the time now for follow focus. You know, you can't live without a motor system. So, you know, using a lot of these old lenses is, is a compromise situation. Yeah. Uh, you throw out the iris and focus all the time. It gets repaired all the time. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. Also, consistency between focal lengths is not always there. You might get an awesome flare on this one lens in the set. But because that set's like 50 years old and three of the lenses in the six lens set have been uncoated and the other haven't, you're going to have like vastly different looks between them. So there's always a lot of considerations and testing that goes into and went into whenever using Super 35 because you were pairing it up with older glass. So regardless if you like clean glass or not, people did use a lot of different or still use to this day a lot of different vintage lenses. Now the benefit of a new lens that creates an interesting look is that mechanically it's sound, it's going to work, it's hardy, you can use it for the next 30 years, it gives you metadata, um, and on top of that, you have new optical design, some new look, right? A new type of focus. Oops, sorry about that. A new type of uh, way to look at it. And at the same time, you have uh, uh, coverage for the larger format, which is full frame or full frame plus. Because that's the thing right now is that people want to use full frame and these larger frame formats, but they're not able to use the older vintage lenses you know, on these cameras in, in a smooth way. Sometimes some focal lengths work, other times others don't cover it well. It's just a compromise. But a lens that's made for full frame, that's mechanically sound, but still gives you an interesting look, it's a, it's a different type of option, you know? So you now you have an option, you can, you can do both. You don't have to be stuck in just a Super 35 format or smaller to use vintage style lenses or, you know, a style look, you know, the flares that you were getting, the blue flares or the warmer colors. Now you can do that with modern glass. And we're not the only manufacturer to, to do this. There's others, right? So it is something that's in demand. It is, uh, looks are important. Putting a signature on a project and saying, that's, you know, my look, it's very important for a cinematographer. I go to rental houses all the time. And nowadays I see, you know, the Alexa LF or LF Mini, uh, especially, or Sony Venice, or Red Monstro, do you, you know, if you go to Panavision, you see their, their cameras too. Um, the DXL2, for example, that's also full frame plus. So all these different camera systems are now being tested with lots and lots of different types of optics to see like what works and what the, what the cinematographer likes. And it's nice to see that we have a couple of choices that you can put in the mix and try it out to see if it likes, if it works for you. It's like picking paint, you know, the vintage lenses, mm -hmm. a lot of them breathe differently. They just, they're different. They, they function differently. They breathe differently. Um, the bokeh is different, everything. They, I think every lens yep. has its personality. So when you're shooting something aside from the blocking and, and all of the aspects that go into directing or shooting, you, you can now, find a lens that fits what you want for that scene perfectly. I love it. There are a lot of people are going to vintage lenses. I'm glad I kept some of mine from the old <laughs> film days, you know? Uh, yeah. They're hard to find fun. actually now because everybody's grabbing them up and people are starting to shoot film again, um, which is, which is also kind of nice, but I have a question for you now. The Zeiss, website 
when you go and you go, okay, I want to, I want to research Zeiss lenses. There are so many different families of Zeiss lenses. Do you mind giving us like an overview and then we'll get back to everything else yeah. in a minute, but I just want to kind of set people's uh, expectations about what is available to them and what they were designed for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can just type in Zeiss.com forward slash Cine, uh, C-I-N-E, and mm -hmm. it'll take you right here. It's a quick jump. Mm -hmm. So this is just okay. an overview of what, what goes on here. If you look over here, there's, of course, some scrolling images. You know, you can go to some quick jumps. You could talk about the radiance lenses or go up to the Supreme Primes or XD technology. Or if you scroll, you can see this choices over here. Lenses for large format, lenses for super 35 and extended data. So if I do large lenses for large format, I see, first of all, those I Supreme Prime radiance lenses, which is exactly what we were talking about. With right. the special coatings. Uh, we have here the Zeiss Supreme Prime lenses. You can get more information there. The Zeiss Compact Prime, CP3, and the XD version with the metadata. And then the zoom lenses, which is what you mentioned, actually, the cinema zooms, 15 to 30, 20 to 80, 70 to 200 over here. So let's go ahead and go up to the Zeiss Supreme Prime Radiance and click more information. It takes you to a landing page. You can see a video here. This is actually a short film that Rodrigo Prieto created, directed, nice. and and was a cinematographer on for R and R. It's a great piece about uh, a, a prisoner that's about to be released. Um, at the same time, someone else might be coming in. So this wow. is a cool nice. little piece. You can actually see about our flare characteristics that we were talking about. Here mm -hmm. is information about the the lens, and you could see it on various camera systems. So you understand that it works uh, really well with uh, different sensor sizes, especially on cameras like the Venice, the Red Monstro or DXL2 from Panavision, and the LF, LF Mini from Alexa or from Aerie. Uh, and then you can go here and you can see Overview. You can click on Features. So you can go down to Features. Uh, I don't want to skip those, so let me go back up again. And here again, here's a behind-the-scenes interview with Rodrigo. Metamorphosis is a comparison video that was done in Japan with and without flares. Um, oh, and nice. Also we that have looks interesting. Yeah, that mm -hmm. looks interesting. Okay. And all, and all Blood Runs Red is a short film directed by Paul Mignot in France, and that's a really beautiful one if you want to see the flare characteristics in a dramatic setting um, uh, in a period piece. So that's a very good look at it. So you have a lot of sample videos right away on the website. Um, you have some, uh, you know, uh, quote again from Rodrigo over here, comparison video. So we have a video where you can see a comparison with regular Supreme Primes that don't have the flare characteristics and the radiance that do. And you can see right here where the blue flare is, is right there in the picture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then, and then uh, some explanation about the characteristics. There's also uh, downloads too. So, um, you know, if you want, well, first of all, there's technical data, which tells you everything about the lens, the close focus distance, uh, the front diameter. So, you know, what matte box to use for it or matte box uh, rings. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, you can actually download, if you want to change the scale between metric and imperial inches and feet, you can change it here and Thank you can you. just do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. And you can download Thank this you. and you can do it yourself. Awesome. Uh, you, you can depth of field tables. Uh, mount change instructions because you can go from LPL mount to PL mount and vice versa, uh, both with uh, electronic connections. And then if you just want the brochure itself, you can download it here. So you can print it out and, and read it at your leisure. 
You could find a rental and dealer locator is looking at the website. So each of our pages are very similar for all the different product lines. And so just to, um, to recap, oops. Uh, let's go back page to say cinematography. To recap, you know, if you click on lenses for large format, you get the radiance page, what I just showed you, Supreme Prime page, which is similar, CP3 page, cinema zooms. And then we also have lenses for with Ari Zeiss lenses and Zeiss lenses for Super 35, because these lenses are all still made and uh, available for purchase. So we, we have the lightweight zoom 21 to 100, um, which is a, a recent lens that came out uh, just a few years back from Zeiss. And it's a beautiful 21 to 100 zoom. Uh, very lightweight, only four pounds, uh, has an interchangeable mount system like the CP3s, and uh, is quite popular with a lot of dock-style shooting and sports and things like that. I was going to ask you about that next because that's a whole different genre, dock-style shooting. You really need more zooms. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when, yeah, you're, when you're shooting a scripted film, you have more mm -hmm. leeway in terms of time for exchanging lenses. And there's also always, uh, when you're out in the field, I know a lot of times for me, there's a lot of dust, there might be water. You don't want to be changing lenses in hostile environments. So a lot of uh, documentary filmmakers are going to want that 21 to 100, I would think. That looks like a great lens. I haven't tried that one. It is. It's super lightweight. It's mm -hmm. a really you know beautiful look to it. Um, it really is made for those kinds of conditions, you know, to mm -hmm. be rough and tumble, uh, mm -hmm. and to be out there it has an interchangeable mount system. So you can just like a CP3 lens, you can put it on five different style camera systems, a PL mount, mm -hmm. Canon EF, Nikon F, Sony E and micro four thirds. So you have a lot of choices. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great lens. It is limited by its uh, coverage. So it's meant for super 35, but you know, that shouldn't be a problem for people using that kind of camera system at 55. FS7, C300, mm -hmm. uh, C500, the first one, Mark One. Um, there's so many camera systems. Uh, Black Magic, any Black Magic camera. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, you about Black Magic. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, it works really well. We have quite a few people using this lens with the, the Black Magic uh, Ursa Mini Pro, for example. Right. Um, it's a it's a great combo uh, for those. So Bill Bennett actually has a video they did called the recipe we have on this page. Um, and just to recap about the Aries ice lenses, we still manufacture lenses that Aries sells. So this is a, an OEM product, you know, meant to be paired up uh, with their camera systems and any camera system, quite frankly. But this is a, a long relation, long-standing relationship since 1935. Uh, we've had this OEM relationship with them. Um, so nice. we still manufacture the Aries Master Anamorphic lens, which you know, in limited quantities is still sold, master prime lenses and ultra prime lenses. It is true that now some of that manufacturing might have slowed down in comparison to uh, the demand for, uh, you know, the larger uh, format, like the full frame, like full frame plus lenses. But it doesn't mean that these lenses are, are not still in demand. People still use them every day, all the time for all kinds of filming, TV shows, wow. movies, um, you know, online content, all kinds of stuff that were very, very popular uh, all over the world. Um, the most uh, interesting thing that come out recently is not just the optical designs and kind of qualities we have, but extended data. Extended data is really pretty cool. We've now seen it in the field and people using it. So this is the system that allows you to capture lens metadata that gives you information about lens characteristics 
light shading and distortion characteristics communicated over cook slash i technology that go right into the camera systems and um you know give vfx people a leg up because they give them information that they can use uh to make a better image at the back end right and we've really proven this technology and we've talked about it quite a bit and now we actually have quite a few proof of uh, concepts in the field uh, tv shows and movies all over the world using this workflow so it's um we have a lot of information on this page about how to actually record directly the dsmc2 bodies from red and sony venice so you don't actually have to have a connector uh and how uh, we have a new you know robust plugins and new ganf after effects to be able to use this system and uh we we have all these free downloads right now so if you are somebody that has a smart uh, XD capable lens, and that means size CP3 XD, a Supreme Prime, Supreme Prime Radiance, or, and now uh, uh, also the Fujinon Premista line of lenses, which have Zeiss XD technology as well. Any of these systems will work with our tools and plugins and free products. That's awesome. You know, I'm a huge proponent of metadata, of all any kind of metadata. Your post-production department will love you for that. It just makes life so much easier, right? So, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for clarifying some of that. You know, you, you travel literally all over the world, but mostly now in North and South America. You do a lot of user group presentations. You're going to, unfortunately, we won't see you at NAB. We, <laughs> it's gone this year, but uh, hopefully IBC. Um, Mm -hmm. What are what is the think about when filmmakers come up to you? I'm sure you get a lot of the same questions all the time. The questions I'm asking you today, you have been asked of many times before. But are young filmmakers that come up to you, what is the question that they always seem to have for you? And then what kind of advice can you give to them on how to become better at what they do? Well, the questions always revolve around one thing a lot of times, which is access, because you're not, never going to understand how a lens can help you or why it's better or different or more appropriate for what you want to do, unless, of course, you have the chance to try it out and you start to understand and learn about what it is about the lens that causes that, why it's doing what it's doing, how is it helping me, uh, how is this making my image closer to what I see in my head. And that only comes through a couple of different things, education and practice, right? So it's a matter of access. What I always recommend to cinematographers that are coming up, as long as you've you know, put your time in and you've done a short or two, and you really are trying to hone your craft and you're, you know, you're earnest about what you wanna do, there's no reason why you can't reach out to rental houses and start relationships early, whereas you get access. When they have a down day, like a Thursday is down, but Friday's gonna be busy, you know, go in on Thursday morning early and schedule a time to do, do a lens test in the house. You don't have to worry about being insured because you're not taking it anywhere. You're testing in house, um, you know, bring your charts or your vision boards or your little lamps and flashlights, whatever you want to test stuff with and try it out and then make use of educational opportunities. There's lots of, like you mentioned, things online in user groups and in training materials and opportunities where you can go listen to a talk or a workshop because sometimes it just gives you a clue as to, oh, okay, well, that's what I should look for. And that's what I should look at to, to try to understand it. And then try it out yourself. Like there's nothing better than, of course, just practicing. 
And the reason I mentioned access is a lot of people think, well, this equipment is so expensive, you know, the price point that you're talking about, like, I'll never be able to use that. You should never say that. <laughs> you should never, as a cinematographer, ever say, I'll never be able to use that. Why is that? It's there for you to use. It's not Don't there for someone else to use. Don't wish that on yourself. Don't wish that on yourself. yourself. No. You should be thinking there's... the opposite way, like, when can I use this? When yeah. can I access it? How can I access it? Please let me access it. You know, like, this is all <laughs> stuff that you should be saying. Because yeah. that's what it's really about, is the ones that get access, the ones that find access, that learn about it, that absorb it, then become better with that paintbrush. And then understand why they should use a unicorn hair versus a horse hair paintbrush, you know? They don't know until they see it and try it themselves. So this is what I always encourage, is to think positive and to say, no, let me get access, let me try it out, let me see what I can do with it, and then I'll learn from it, you know? And that's, I think that's always better. I rent equipment from borrow lenses all the time to try mm -hmm. new things I haven't tried before. And I have learned a lot. I have learned a lot. I've learned about what I like, what I don't like. And Sneha, you should have been on the set that one day we had that 70 to 200 lens. <laughs> People were carrying it around like, oh, it's a baby. It's like they were so they were so afraid of it. <laughs> yeah, didn't want to damage it because it's just uh, pretty special. Were you able to create the image that you wanted? Oh, my God. Did that happen? Oh, that's the one where I could see his eyelashes. And it's so important because it's the one shot. It was going to be the ending of the film, but his whole life changed. So it's not probably not going to be the ending of the film anymore, but it's near the end. And it's a key moment with the mm -hmm. character where you have to show the emotion in his face and the determination in his face. I call it the wolf shot because it's that <laughs> moment uh, he was running track and he's looking down and he very slowly looks up and the, and you're focused right on his face, close up, close up. And I'll send you a, a still output from it. You'll see it. Yes, it was please. amazing. I could not have done that shot. I don't think with any other lens. I was on the Ursa Mini Pro. Black mm -hmm. Magic is one of the sponsors of the film, of that film. And uh, no, I mean, that's a great question because I honestly, I actually called up one of the people at Zeiss and I said, you've ruined my life. You've just ruined my life <laughs> because I got so spoiled from that. And, uh, and yeah, you can access the lenses. Uh, a lot of times mm -hmm. I do rent before I buy because I just don't want to dive in, you know, unless I really know how it's going to behave. It's like it's like adopting a new child, literally. When you do this every day for a living, your equipment is so important because it's an extension of this creativity that lives inside of our heads. And it's the way to to help it come out into the world and tell these stories for everybody. So, yeah, I, you're doing a great service yeah. to everybody when you go around and teach. How do you like do you like teaching? Do you still work on projects of your own on the side or? Yes, absolutely. Um, Do you? What's great is that, yeah, I got to get involved uh, a lot with uh, Stucco, which is a short film that we were involved with, um, Zeiss, Red, E-Film, and then uh, we had a lot of uh, other people that helped out to actually get it done. And Q Tran was the cinematographer, and she's amazing. But you can go online now and on the Alter channel, which Alter is a horror uh, channel on YouTube, there's Stucco, short film, and okay. I'm listed as one of the producers, and... 
that was it's got 2.5 million views just on Alter alone, and people like it. The engagement is really wow. interesting. You can see the comments. It, it's a thought-provoking piece. It's about an agrophobe whose house is like basically showing signs of coming alive uh, uh, around her. So it's really interesting look at kind of this you know phobia mixed with her reaction to it and what it creates. And it's it's a beautiful little short, 17 minutes long. Wow. Um, but I got to be involved in that. Uh, I help friends out all the time. I've uh, helped out a lot of times, even though I have a full-time job and I work all the time, like you say, I travel. I try to help out filmmakers as much as possible. Um, there's a lot of things that Zeiss does in terms of loaning out to filmmakers through school programs like thesis uh, programs and also through um, you know personal loans. Uh, when it's a well-known or well-renowned cinematographer that really has like a passion project they want to work on over the weekend, we consider those as well. But essentially, we try to help out filmmakers. We try to create avenues for them to celebrate their craft. We're the ones that created the Zeiss Cinematography Award at South by Southwest. There was never a cinematography award at South by Southwest, the film festival, until last year. So for two years running, this year as well, even though there was no festival, we did present the Zeiss Cinematography Award to a film. So we try to create forums. We try to give information. I personally get involved in a lot of projects and try to help out connect people together, help produce things, um, you know, try to write my own stuff and stay creative as well. I don't do as much as I wanted to, but I have been playing around with the Super 8 camera while we've been, you know, oh. locked in the last few weeks. So oh, I love it. Shooting some stuff with that, um, trying to figure out if Pro 88, Pro 8 millimeter is still going to process it right now or not. Um, but yeah, uh, playing around and always trying to be creative uh, and just support the art because it's a lot of fun. I mean, we all consume it, right? We all consume stuff all day, all the time. We're so blessed that we can make it. You know, you talk about Super yeah. 8. I collected, I kept all of my cameras over the years and I had a Super 8 camera and a Super 8 projector. A lot of the vintage stuff uh, was absconded with during one of the moves. But uh, yeah, Super 8's fun to play with. It's fun to play with. Absolutely. Absolutely, because it's just like it's organic and you don't know <laughs> if you did it right or not <laughs> <laughs> until it's been processed and scanned. Like even when I was taking it out of the camera, I was worried. I was like, well, am I supposed to put a bag over it? And I'm like, no, it's a cartridge. <laughs> it's for yeah. consumers, so you don't have I to know. do all that. But still, like, you're still worried about it. Yeah, like, yeah. I have to I offline. I'll show you my little projector I got recently on eBay. So yeah, it's, oh, cool. it's so much fun. I love, I have a couple of Kodak cameras that are over a hundred years old and oh. uh, they're one of the very first original ones. And, and I have to, uh, I have to go into a, a dark closet and wind the film onto the spool, but uh, nice. all that stuff's getting a little bit harder to find. Well, Snehal, thank you so much. I know you're really busy. Um, and I could keep you on here for hours. I know people are going to love hearing what you have to say. So where do you want people to go to find out more about you and about Zeiss? Well, you can go to Zeiss.com forward slash Cine, C-I-N-E, to, of course, learn about all the stuff that I just told you about. But we do have a, a showroom in Los Angeles. So in Sherman Oaks, uh, in the neighborhood of Sherman Oaks, we have the Zeiss Cinema Lens Demo Center which is a great place for you to come in and just learn stuff. So if you're ever in the city or, you know, if you're based out of Los Angeles and everything clears up in uh, some time, 
whenever business is back to usual, you know, we have a theater there to watch your material. We have a prep area. You can check out multiple camera systems. We have a lens projection room, so you can check out a projector. Um, nice. There's a lot to do. So you can come nice. learn over there. Yeah. yeah. And you can always reach out to me and email me um, if you have any questions. So it's uh, snehal.patel at zeiss.com. So it's S-N-E-H-A-L dot P-A-T-E-L at zeiss.com. All right, Snehal, thank you so much. And to everyone listening, remember what I always tell you, get up off your chair and go do something wonderful today. And today it's probably in your own house, but there's something wonderful for you to do there. Thanks for listening. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>